do we have to fear? What do we have to lose? If this is your first time at Connection, no, I don't have shoes on. Yes, I do have shorts on, and we're different. What you will not find is this. You will not find a message that's watered down. We consider God's word to be God's word, inerrant and perfect. And the fact that you're sitting here this morning as we study in Hebrews chapter 12, whether you've been a Christian and a saved person, a follower of Jesus, whatever you want to call it, for 50 years, God's word can still teach you. And if you come from, from a life of unbelief and you've never believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your life could change today. Not because of me, not because of some songs, but because of God's word and who God is. Oh, by the way, we're interactive. You can say amen if you like. It's, it's, it's okay. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about fear this morning. And fear is something that grasps everyone. I asked a husband and wife this morning before our first service, and they were sitting beside each other, and I looked, I looked at the wife and I said, do you ever, are you ever afraid of anything? Do you know what she told me? Yes. So I looked at her husband because guys are tough, right? I'm not scared of anything. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. And I looked at him and I said, are you scared of anything? He said, I'm scared of stuff every day. That's a big deal. When we get down to the nitty gritty, we get down to the, to the basics of stuff, we all understand what fear is. But this morning... Like Colton said, it is our fourth week. Uh, we, we do take a Touch Someone's Life gift offering. If you're not a member of Connection or do not regularly attend, this is not for you. We ask Connection people for nickels and dimes and quarters and things like that. And at the end of the service, I will give them a sheet of paper um, that just has some instructions. They're going to take that bags, those bags of money, and we use money because everybody uses it. And we go out to the community, and we, we share God's love with them by giving them a, just a financial gift. Um, if, you, uh, if you are one of my people that are taking the offering, you come ahead and come on, come on down. I've always wanted to say that. Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Anybody, anybody grew up watching The Price is Right? Yes. Yeah, you people. We need the yellow name tags. Everybody writes their name. Yeah, you guys can go ahead and take that. But we're, we're looking at fear. Jesus is great, greater than your mountain of fear. We're going to talk about two. Oh, I broke that, I think. Um, we're going to. We're going to look at two different mountains this morning. Two different mountains representing two completely, totally different things. One representing the law, one representing heaven. And there are some people here that I do not know were going to come here this morning that I talked about in the first service, and they don't know that I talked about them. True or false, you guys went to Israel. True or false, you guys got to sing Mount Zion on Mount Zion. Whatever. <laughs> no. I didn't know they were going to show up. Uh, we have some visitors from the north this morning, and there's some visitors from other northern places and eastern and western, and, and God is good. Thank you, thank you. All right, I told you we were interactive. Now, I googled the top ten things that people are afraid of globally. And I know there's some people up here, they just like, they're shouting things out and they, and they got it. There's going to be one of these things on here. I don't think that anybody in here is going to say for real, okay? Let's just check this out. Top 10 things in this list was from 2012, so I'm sure it's changed. I don't know. Maybe somebody now has the fear of the iPhone 10. I don't know, okay? This, this list is just wacky in some of the things. Look, in no particular order. Number one, and we're going to play a game. So you don't have to go, oh, me, 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 me. You can just go like this. Hey, everybody practice. One, two, three. Okay, not everybody's practicing. One, two, three. Okay, thank you. That's really cool to see from up here. You see this? <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that God gave us emotions of laughter. But what he also gave us is emotions of, of discernment and concerning. And, and he, gave us, he gave us the ability to, to trust him when it's very difficult. And it's very, when we go through this, some of these things make us very scared. But these are, these are carnal, these are tangible things, okay? So in no particular order, number one, uh, if, you, if you suffer from one of these fears, again, you do not have to text me. You, can just, you don't have to raise your hand, just kind of one of these. Okay, let's practice again. One, two, three. Okay, everybody's good. Now, uh, if you have the fear of public speaking. Yeah. When I was 21 years old, I got to speak. Anybody ever been to Youth Encounter? Okay, I got to go up to Youth Encounter. I was a church planner when I was 21 years old. And it's the big, I often get asked, how in the world do you get up and talk in front of people? I would just like shake and, and, and crawl into a little hole and just want to like curl into the fetal position. 
And they said, is this, what's the biggest crowd you've ever preached in front of? I said, 8,500. Whoa! I said, yeah, it was pretty neat. And they said, did you get nervous? I said, no, the lights are so bright you can't see past the third row. <laughs> I had no idea they were there. <laughs> okay. Some people, it's, get, I, I'm, I'm far more nervous getting up and playing an instrument than I am, than I am talking with people. Okay, so, so public speaking. Number two, my mother's uh, ultimate fear. Uh, spiders, anyone? Listen, here's the deal. God gave me the non-fear of spiders because when you wear a size 14, you can knock a spider to the next county. Okay? Now, like, I know, I know, Matthew is like, she's communicating with me. It's my mom. Stephen Matthew Griswold, I'm in trouble. Matthew! Spider. That's the translation of bring, bring your shoes, like your skis or whatever you have, and swing at this thing and kill it. Okay, spiders don't bother me, okay? But they do some people. Um, confined spaces. Yeah. We're going to get some people here. Heights. Yeah. Heights. Yeah. <laughs> the tallest guy in the church is afraid of heights. <laughs> so people will be, some people, people will be afraid to be off the ground at what? Six, eight, nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, now I'm, I am unsure of where they, where they documented this research at. Zombies. For real? I, anyway, it was on the internet, so it had to be true, so I put it on there. But I literally put question mark, question mark, question mark, LOL. <laughs> okay, uh, thunder and lightning, storms. I've personally been through an F4 tornado whenever I was 10 years old, and I don't ever care to see another one. They're, they're just a dramatic display of God's power, but I, I'm, I'm pretty scared of those. Um, <laughs> the dentist. Mm. <laughs> the dark. Now, my dad, if you don't know who I, who, who I am, my name, my name is Matt, but my dad, I, I have a lot of stories from my childhood because, because I'm, I'm, I am a pastor, but I ran from being a pastor for a long time because my dad's a pastor and so is my grandfather. And if you're a pastor's kid or you're the grandkid of a, of a pastor or a deacon or somebody that's there, you know, when they turn the lights on and when they turn the lights off, that's me, okay? So darkness, anybody scared of the dark, okay? It is the safest place on earth. But whoever designed a church basement that I used to go to should be kicked in the knee repeatedly. <laughs> the stairwell was over here. Long concrete basement. The light switch to the basement was over here. <laughs> now I'm telling you, this is, I'm like 8, 9, 10 years old. I am talking international Olympic sprinting speed. I tried to flip the light out and get out of the room before it got dark. Okay, I was like flying through this, but it, it, it scared me a little bit whenever I was younger. I've been lost in the woods at, at night, and that's no joke. It, 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 can, be very, it can be very scary. Um, and uh, some of us have these in our house. I think there may be some people in here. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking down about these animals, and they don't really bother me. But if they scare me, Genesis chapter 3 says we have a war. Snakes? Yeah, I love snakes. Well, bless you. <laughs> no, no, but, no, listen, this is, this is, garter snake, chicken snake, black snake, non-poisonous snake around here. No big deal. Two summers ago, I was in South Africa. I saw two puff adders and a 14-foot black mamba. Not okay. You get bit by a black mamba, you have 12 minutes to live, and you shake to death because there's a neurotoxin in their venom. You shake to death. I'm not down with snakes, okay? I don't know if there's going to be snakes in heaven, but I'm thinking not, but I don't know. So, and I guess they'll be, they'll be like the fun ones. I don't know what their fun snake is. So, so we, these are all, the, and, and there's, there is a, there, number 10, because some, some of you count everything that I do. There is a number 10. It says everything else. People can be afraid of absolutely anything. Um, I, have a, I, have, I taught a girl that was terrified, and she hated the sounds of two cotton balls being rubbed together. Yeah, see, I know. Some people are afraid of, uh, have you seen bench warmers? They're afraid of the sun. Anyone? No? Okay. So, spiritually speaking, though, these are all tangible things. You're afraid of the dark. You're afraid of this. You're afraid of dogs. You're afraid of whatever. That, those, are, those are tangible things that interfere with us on the outside here, carnal, in our human life. Spiritually, the mountains of fear are more difficult to deal with 
You have to understand that Satan knows exactly where you struggle, and that's exactly where he will hit you. I'm not giving him glory, but I'm telling you that he's very good at what he does. We talk about these things of public speaking, of even zombies, of thunder and lightning, the dentist, all these things that we're scared of. But let me talk to you about on the spiritual side of right now. What are you scared of spiritually? We're getting ready to step into a big bowl of stuff here. When we talk about spiritual being afraid, that's a difference. Uh, if, you, if you were given one of these worship handouts, and if you did not get one of these and you want one of these, you just raise your hand and one of my cool dudes up here will run out and get you one. Anybody need one? Okay. First blank. Check this out. What are you afraid of? I'm not talking about snakes now. I'm not talking about the dentist. I'm not talking about anything, that anything on, the, on the external side of, of our materialistic self. Now watch. You ready? I want to know, maybe, and I don't want to know right now, but there's plenty of space. Maybe you can write down two or three things down. What are you afraid of spiritually? Let me tell you what I'm afraid of. You ready? I'm afraid that in all the preparation to glorify God, all of the different things that I, that I, that I, can, that I can do or people can do, all of the understanding and studying of Scripture that we can present God's Word in a faithful manner, that there will be people. One of my biggest fears is one of a person of my family or a person that has been involved with connection that dies without a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm deathly afraid of that. I'm not sitting here on a, on, a, on, a, on a stool this morning saying, you need to get saved. If you have doubt, you're not saved. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But that's what scares me. Because a true relationship with Christ bears fruit. It doesn't bear perfection. It bears fruit. Okay? What are you afraid of? How about this? I don't want to see hands now because we're getting into some serious stuff. How many of you are afraid of doing what God wants you to do? Okay. Yeah, kind of. How about if God wants you to do something and you don't know the answer yet? Um, How about if God wants you to step out in faith and you don't see the next step? He just says, step. This is different. This isn't tangible. You can't put your hands on the things of God whenever he wants you to act. Stepping out to get involved in serving. Well, I'd really like to help out in first impressions, or I really wouldn't mind, you know, maybe helping out vacuum the sanctuary, but... Yeah, they got enough people. Listen, we don't. We can always use more. Bring it. You like to clean toilets? I got a, I got a job for you. And, and people from outside of Connection go, why in the world do you, that's, like a, that's not a glorified position. Of course it's not. It's not. Why do we do it? We don't pay for a janitor. No joke. We've existed for almost 12 years. We have never paid a janitor. Do you know why? Because people serve. Vacuum carpets, paint walls, do all kinds of different things. But maybe, maybe you're very introverted. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, there's all kinds of people that come to me. He's like, I'm not really good at first impressions. Like, I, I, I would have a really tough time going, uh, welcome to Connection. <laughs> That's just not me. Okay, fine. There's many, many things that we do around, around church that are done completely, totally behind the scenes, but with a servant's heart. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, um, we're gonna, in just a second, we're going to be starting in verse 18. But there, there, are, there is a word that we need to d- define before we go on. Um, in the Old Testament, often, when you hear the word fear, it's often coupled with or meaning the same thing as being reverent. God is not a God that we need to be scared of, but the Israelites showed us how to be reverent of God. Okay, so when they said they, they fear God, the Bible says fear God, it's talking about not being scared of God as a, an almighty judge. Remember, we do, not live, we do not live in this time. We live, we live in, 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 on another place right now. But the Bible says that we should fear the Lord, but it doesn't mean we should be scared. Often we read, often we, if, you, if you've ever read, read, the New, the, or I'm sorry, read the Old Testament, have you ever read it and thought, man, God, you're kind of mean. He seems as a very judgmental God. That's why some people, if they, got the, if they got the little green Gideon's Bible, whenever they were growing up and they read uh, all the New Testament and Proverbs and Psalms, or they just read uh, maybe a, a Bible that they were given and they started in the beginning like it's a book, okay? Uh, and they started in the beginning and they, they read it and they go, man, God is just not nice. He's like he's seated on his throne and he's just judging. It's not that way. But God isn't mean, he's just. So, 
If you go out here on the highway, and I know none of you ever do this, but you possibly maybe might have gone a little over the speed limit that's posted. I'm looking at you people. (laughs) I'm in a hurry, bro. (laughs) And you get pulled over, and you get a ticket. And you know what we do? Now, I'm being, I'm, being, I'm being stereotypical. Well, man, I was just trying to get home. We try to talk our way out of something that we completely deserve. God offers you a way out of something that you completely deserve in eternal hell because of Jesus. We deserve the consequences for our stuff, our sin. Many of us, and maybe, maybe it's been years, but God has, has prompted us and, and pushed us and, and helped us and, and kind of nudged us in this direction that he wants us to, us to go. And quite frankly, we just have our heels stuck in and we're just sliding. I posted something on Facebook. It says it's, it's about the footprints in the sand, but it was a pretty much funnier comical today version. And it's, it's a guy talking to Jesus. And he goes, yeah, the one set of footprints in the sand was where I carried you. And he said, that crooked line over there is where I drug you kicking and screaming. <laughs> what are you afraid of? What, what are you afraid of missing out? See, here's the deal. Ask this question. What am I afraid of missing out on spiritually if I don't follow what God has for me to do? That's a whole other can of worms. That's a very serious thing. Do you and I show God reverence today? Do we come into church and say, man, and church gets over, and go, oh, I'm glad I went to church today. Or, did we sing? Well, Matt, I don't really have, I know that you said that, but I don't have a good voice. Fine. I remember our former pastor. Listen, if you knew him, you were going to nod your head and agree. Mike Davis could not win American Idol. No chance. I am not God's gift, but I'm telling you right now, no way. And he would stand right there, and he would sing, and he would sing, and he would sing, and he would sing, and he would raise his hand. Why? Because he was showing an example to people of how to worship, not that you had to be great and talented in all ways to worship. Some people are afraid because they don't have the skill set that they can't be effective in that ministry. One of the most unbelievable teachers we have in our children's department is a man that's over the age of 60. And he's like, well, and he goes in there and he just teaches and teaches and teaches so well. Many people are afraid of young kids. Because they treat you like trees. If they're like me, they climb everywhere on you. You're like, oh. Many people are afraid of junior high kids or college students. Some people think I'm clinically insane because I intentionally got my teaching degree for high school. They're like, you wanted to teach high school? Yeah. And we're also afraid of stepping out where God wants us to go. Look at the next blank. How often do you let fear keep you from following God's direction? This is a very pointed question. It's a very real question. And there's nobody in this room that has not had this happen to them. How often do you let fear keep you from following God's direction? Yesterday I got to play a softball tournament. I used to play baseball. It's what retired baseball players do. We play slow pitch softball, okay? And it was a lot of fun. It was for a, a, a benefit. We raised some money for a family that lost a, a, one, their father in a, in a car crash. And anyway, we just, we've played a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of softball yesterday, and had a lot of fun. But there's two guys in my discipleship group, that, my D group, that I've been praying for on my softball team by name, Marcus and John. And I've been praying for opportunities that God would open, that I could talk to these guys about their faith. And we've talked a little bit about church, and a little bit, and it just kind of like, it keeps getting a little bit more. Yesterday I was at a softball tournament. I'm ta- I'm not ta- I did not play in a church league softball tournament yesterday. You know the difference between a church league softball um, tournament and a, and a non-church league t- softball tournament? I heard about a thousand F-bombs yesterday at a church league tournament. They muffled their mouth. They still think them. Let that sink in, please. I, probably, I, heard, I heard a lot of bad language yesterday. 
And now my team that I play with, they know that I'm a pastor. They found out two weeks ago. It was funny. They're like, <laughs> the, guy, the guy was standing right here. This is, this is why we put ourselves in this situation. I was, sitting, I was standing right by this guy, and, and, and he said something to me, and this guy said something to him, and he goes, you're a pastor? And I said, yeah, and he didn't say this. He said, no crap. And he goes, he's a pastor. Yesterday, I had a guy on my team that got out, and he would just, he would cuss, and he was just throwing a bat. One of the guys in the day, I goes, dude, he's a pastor. And you know what I did? I condemned him. I yelled as loud as I could at him and made a joke of him into the high. No, I didn't. I walked up to that guy, and I called him by name, and I said this. You want me to be real with you? He goes, he goes man, I shouldn't have done that. I didn't know you were a pastor. I said, be quiet. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you have, not, you have probably not done or said anything today that I haven't done on multiple occasions and more often than that. And some of you are going, oh, our pastor's a sinner. <laughs> Please put a mirror in front of your face. And I talked to him, and you should have saw his whole attitude goes, dude, I have, I know some pastors, and they would not have reacted that way. And you know what I said? I'm sorry. Jesus did not come and come to the the country club with the people that have it, quote unquote, all together. He went to where the people needed him. The church is supposed to be a hospital. You don't get your life ready and all together to come to Christ. You come to Christ and he says, watch me, I'll put you back together. That's the order of things. It's not the other way. If you wait till you have it all together, you're never going to come. But some people are scared to do what God wants them to do because you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. You ever done that? You ever done that? With God, you, you, you play like you get to pick. We have the audacity. We're Americans. We're spoiled. I know some of you are very new to connection. You're like, holy smoke, you just said that. Yeah, you're a spoiled American. Welcome to the, because if you, if you drove in a vehicle today, let me, let me globally make your mindset real. Ready? If you drove here today and you own a vehicle, you're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people on the globe. We have the richest, these are the richest teenagers in the entire world. The entire world. They have iPods and electronics and things like that. Listen, we let, we let our fear of following where God wants us to do, we let that fear from keeping us from going there. You know what happens when you do that? You miss out on eternal blessing. You miss out on impacting God's kingdom. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, see, I like this word. I'm going I'm to go to a church this afternoon. It's just a blessing to me. And if I could give you verbal and written directions, and if you did not know exactly what I was talking about, you will never find it. J- raise your hand. Have you, has anybody ever been to Samaria Missionary Baptist Church in Edwards County? <laughs> no one. Oh, one. Okay, two. I, my grandfather pastored there for 17 and a half years. My family, my mom and dad and my sister and my wife and myself are going to help lead worship for their homecoming. They're celebrating a homecoming today. It's later this afternoon. And it is a country church in the middle of nowhere. But it's special. Because I know of people that I'm going to see today that didn't not do what God wanted them to do. And some of those people are literally important to me because I wouldn't be here without them stepping out how God wanted them to do and helping me spiritually. They've done so much that I'll never be able to tell them this side of heaven what they've done and they could never understand that. But how often do we let that fear? Last week there was a young man that was sitting in the front row and I was stopped by a lady this morning um, and she said, I need you to tell me something. I'm like, this could go anywhere. (laughs) And she said, there was a young man in this front row last week that whenever you guys were playing music, he was just worshiping his little self to death. And I said, yeah, I know who that is. And I told him, I told her by name. And she goes, Is that how we're teaching our kids to worship God? And I said, yes. And she goes, wow. 
And I said, that wasn't put on. That's for real. Because we have people willing to step out of comfort zones to teach our kids. God is a good God. But today we're studying some scripture that's very difficult. If you would, if you have your Bibles or your phone app, it's going to be on the screen if you don't. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 24. But we're going to start at 18. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire. Darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai is a real place. Mount Sinai is where Moses led the Israelites to talk to God. God's power descended. God's God's presence descended on top of the mountain. And it consecrated, which means it it be made holy. It consecrated the whole mountain... And Moses would go to the top of that, spend 40 days in the presence of God. If you've ever been to church camp, I'm talking like the the coolest, most awesomest worship service you've ever been a part of. The ones where you're not like just singing and clapping and talking to your friends. I'm talking about the ones that you have your eyes closed that you can't even speak. And you're thanking God because you know yourself and you know the closet of stuff that he's forgiven you of. That type of worship. 40 days. And it's beyond that. It's beyond, God, Moses was in God's presence. But look at this mountain. This mountain represents two things. One, it represents a place that, that Moses was led to, that the law was given. Moses climbs the mountain. He spends 40 days in the presence of God. God gives him the, the Ten Commandments. And he writes them on stone tablets twice. You realize that if you have an anger issue, that's not a new sin. Moses gets the Ten Commandments, comes down. The people are partying and doing whatever they want to. So what's he do? He broke them. Shows me if Moses can break rocks, he's probably a pretty strong dude. He has to go back up. He has to, re- get, it. He has to, he has to get them again. Can you imagine God? He's like, come on, I'll give them to you again. So Mount Sinai is where we receive the Ten Commandments. Moses commanded the people, along with God, that they, listen, this was such a holy place. God's presence was on top of the mountain. The whole mountain was consecrated and made to be holy. And it said, if an animal or a person touched the mountain, they would die. Or, if, the, if an animal touched it, they would have to be stoned to death. Listen, God is just. He's all-powerful and he's all-perfect. But this is where the law came into effect. Exodus chapter 20, you can read what the Ten Commandments are. And you say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I've never broken any of the Ten Commandments. Let me, let me tell you something. Ready? Are you ready? You've broken them all. You're perfect. Lee, imperfect. You've broken them all. I've never killed anybody. If you've ever hated anybody, Jesus said you've committed murder in your heart. See, we look at ourselves, and because, because we live in America, I'm telling you, and we have this almost uppityness about ourselves, we grade sin. Well, I have never killed anybody, but I, I can do this, and it's okay. Listen, God sees one level of sin, one level. We have to humble ourselves to think, I am a, I am a horrible sinner. So they come to this mountain, one, between one and a half and two million Jews come to this mountain, And God's presence was on top of the mountain. Smoke, earthquakes, thunder, lightning. Some of that stuff we just talked about. Anybody afraid of earthquakes? Yeah? We just talked about That's on the top ten list. So these people are standing there. Can you imagine? Anybody seen, anybody Lord of the Rings fans? This would be like being at Mordor looking at it. Like, whoa. Wow. It's scary. You don't want to go in. You don't want to be by it. It was God's presence. He's showing his power. And there was trumpet blast, each one louder than the one previous. And it was a place of awe and at the same time a place of terror. And the people trembled in fear. Listen, we can read the Old Testament and look at this and go, Man, God is a pretty mean God. They're scared to death. He's scaring them to death. He's not scaring them to death. He's showing them his power. Look at verse 19. Or keep in mind, that's the mountain, that's Mount Sinai. It stands for something else in a second. Look. For they heard an awesome trumpet. Awesome. It's in the Bible. The word awesome is in the Bible. It's cool. Awesome means just exceedingly huge. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible, 
Terrible does not mean God does not have a good singing voice. Okay? Terrible means awful loud. And they begged God to stop speaking. In fact, they asked God to let Moses speak instead because they couldn't, they couldn't handle God's voice. Now, anybody in band when they, when they were in, in school? Anybody in band? Anybody play a brass instrument in band? Trumpet, trombone, something like that? Okay, great. This is going to work perfect. I played the trombone. You know, if you blow into a trombone a bone with very loose lips, you get that blah, blah sound. If you don't know what that sound is, you've never been around anybody playing a trombone. I did not play it well. I practiced, and I knew, some, I knew my positions, and I knew my notes, and I, I played along in band for a couple years, and then, then I stopped playing. But I like to practice with my windows open. We know where this is going. I would open the screen. I would put my slide outside the window with the bell right here on my head. And I would blow in that thing as loud as I could. It's amazing my dad did not mangle it into like something different. Like he like just, I'm going to hit that with a hammer until it's not a trombone anymore. And I was practicing one day. I see my neighbor up on the hill come off his porch. And he walks all the way down the hill. And he stopped right there. And I was on the second level, and he stopped right underneath my window. Now, you have to understand that my neighbor is a phenomenal man of God. His name is Mr. Schnapp, who's also my band teacher. (laughs) He goes, sounds like you're practicing. He didn't say I was, he sounded good. He just said it sounded like I was practicing. And he said, hey, I got something for you. I figured we were having a contest, so I brought my trumpet. I'm like, sweet. I'm playing with the band teacher. Concert. Mr. Snap plays in the orchestra that travels over at Evansville. Mr. Snap is a phenomenal trumpet player. He hit a note that I don't even understand. Just one of those, like way high. And he pointed that trumpet right at me in the second floor window. And I backed up, laid my trombone down, lowered the screen, lowered the window, and waved. And I still heard it. Now, we talk about this trumpet. God, Jesus in the New Testament uses, uses stories, but if you've been around this, you understand. If somebody can play a trumpet very, very well, the, the sound just like, it's like it bounces inside of your head. Almost to the tune of an air horn. Just like, kind of, yeah, you know that sound. We play, the, we play the air horn in my house sometimes, but not when Mary's around because we get in trouble. But we keep that to ourselves. Okay. Um, but God's voice sounded so big and so huge, the people were so terrified that they said, hey, 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 Moses, can you talk? Keep in mind, they just asked a guy that probably had a speech impediment to talk over the voice of God. Because it was, so, it was, it was easier to hear, it was easier to understand. God's presence made the mountain holy. But they still sought Moses. Now, in verse 20, listen, listen, look at this. They staggered back under God's command. Look at this. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Moses was the guy that led the people out of Egypt. He got to the Red Sea that God used. He's seen God in huge ways, opened his arms with his staff, and God divided the Red Sea, and he walked across the sea. He has seen God in his utmost power. If you want to be somebody in the Bible, I want you to ask this question. You ready? Moses is on the mountain, and God asks him a question. He says, what do you want to see? Moses does not, he does not take two verses to think about this. Moses instantly responds with this. He tells God after he's asked, Moses, what do you want to see? And he says this, show me your face. When is the last time that we ask God to show himself to us like that? God, I want you to show me. Well, Matt, that's going to that's gonna cost you a little bit of your fear because we've got to go over here to see that. Do you trust God? Is your journey long enough with God that you know how to trust him to go there? See, Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. 
He's terrified. He's scared to death. Now, why? Watch. When Jesus comes in the New Testament, he doesn't come to do away with the law. He comes to completely, totally fulfill it. He followed everything perfectly. He was the perfect sacrifice. And when Jesus died and he paid the price for our sin, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, he conquered it all, making him the go-between between us and God. See, Mount Sinai is representing the law or the people that are very exceptionally legalistic today. If I do this, I'll be good. Here's the deal. You ready? I, have, I, I don't talk negatively about them. If you've ever been involved with them, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not downing this religion. I'm just telling you that they're wrong. And I'm not my opinion. It's by the Bible. I have people come up to me from different religions and want to come into my, into my house and tell me how they interpret the Bible differently. And I show them the verse in Revelation. I said it shouldn't be added to or taken away from. God's word is God's word and that's it. Period. And they, and they want to they tell me. And, they, and, and in their religion, they believe that there's going to be 144,000 people in heaven. And I stopped them. I said, time out. There's more than 144,000 of you. Who gets to go? I'm not a jerk about it. I want to get them thinking. You know what they tell me? Well, it's whoever does the most. I said, no, that's legalism. Jesus has nothing to do with legalism. He's about grace and love and mercy. And he already paid the price for all that junk. He's not about keeping score. Moses is terrified. On Mount Sinai, it's all about the people that are legalistic and all these different things. Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon religion, I mean, no disrespect. I'm, listen, I'm not talking trash. But listen, I'm, I'm, I'm stating fact. We have over 25,000 copies of handwritten copies of the New Testament. 25,000. The next closest, we have 600 of the Iliad written by Homer. There is not one piece of evidence from the Mormon religion. Not one. Not one. Not one. 25,000 hand-copied New Testaments to zero. Joseph Smith died and he's not coming back. Muhammad died and he's not coming back. Any other world religion leaders ever lived has died and he's not coming back. Mine's not dead. Mine gave up his life on the cross and his, his, his father raised him from the dead, meaning, meaning that I don't have to pay, I don't have to do this. I trust in Christ and I don't have to go to Mount Sinai. I don't have to go to the judgment. I get to go here. Look at verse 22. <laughs> Listen to this. It, it's going to be sung to you first. By his blood, we have come. You stop that if you're okay. But look at verse 22 on the screen, whenever they get that. No, if you're a follower of Christ, look, look. This is a futuristic look into heaven. Man, I'm having a bad day, and, and I'm scared, and my fear is just conquering me. Listen, if, if Satan, he's very good at what he does. If he's got you in a corner, and he says, Matt, I know, what you, I know what you've done. You're no different than that guy you played softball with yesterday. You used to have a bad mouth and do this and do this and do this. You used to have all that past, and he reminds us of our past all the time, doesn't he? All the time. Matt, you used to do this. Yeah, but I don't do it anymore. Yeah, but you used to do that. You still have the effects of that in your life. I love the quote of, when Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of the future because it's God's word that said, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
there will come a day. Satan is already judged. There will come a day where he's placed in the, in the, in the depths of the abyss and tortured, or however that's going to be in Revelation. It says that he's locked up eternally, with a, whatever, however that means. He knows where he's going, so he can't mess with God, so he messes with what God loves, and that's us. And the number one way that he can mess with us is to make you scared. You've never been more timid in your life until you're scared. I have seen great big guys that are terrified of mice. I'm like, dude, you have a hammer in your hand. That's kind of gross. But I'm like, it's a mouse. They're so, they are so cute. Yeah, some people are like, not in my house, okay? Now, listen, this is where the followers have come. No, you've come to Mount Zion. Mount Zion is a mountain. It is a place today. But this is not talking about the one today. The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is the new earth. This is heaven. You've come here. And to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering, the last, the last sermon series that Pastor Mike preached as he was battling and, and, and his life was ended by a battle with cancer was, what is heaven like? And one of the questions that he asked was, who is going to be there? Listen, we have a lot of stuff in our way, but can you tell me that we cannot, that we cannot yearn and, and just hope for this day to come? We get to worship God with thousands of angels, countless thousands. Mount Zion is a city of promise. We don't come and tremble at this mountain. You don't tremble at the mountain at Zion. Jesus has fulfilled the law. The law is satisfied. Mount Sinai is that mountain of fulfillment. God's people do not longer identify with the place where the law was given. Listen to this. We identify with the place that God's law was fulfilled. And in Mount Sinai, I love this, Mount Sinai, God wrote on tablets of stone. At Mount Zion, he's written on the tablets of our heart. It's a whole nother intimacy of relationship. You have come to the assembly, look at verse 23. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. That's what's talked about as the Lamb's book of life. When you become a follower, your name is written down. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the, the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven. Who have now been made perfect. I'm going to go to Samaria Missionary Baptist Church today. And I'm going to go lead worship and I'm going to listen to a buddy of mine preach. And then after that, I'm going to go to the cemetery to see where my grandfather's buried. I haven't been there in a while. Who's in heaven? He is. The great cloud of witnesses in earlier in chapter 12. All the people that have gone on before us, the people in your family, listen, the people in your family that have gone on before you that were followers of Christ can't wait for you to get there. It's a worship service. Listen, we have a, we, we, sang, we, we sang a song and said, what happens when this fear, what happens when this fear comes at us? You sing louder. You sing louder in the presence of your enemies. Well, this fear is really strong. Well, that's good because fear lies. It should be a song. It is. Fear lies. It tricks us. Jesus is greater than all the angels was a title of a sermon earlier in Hebrews. But the, the angels, it said in Scripture, the angels radiate. What's it like when, when, when Moses was in the presence of God for 40 days? Listen to me. He comes off the mountain and the Bible says, not me, the Bible says that he glowed. It doesn't mean that God is radioactive. It means that, that if you're around, listen, if you're around God that much, you radiate him. The problem is we unplug our lamps and we don't let ourselves with that solar energy, we don't let it soak in to where we look different. Gavin looked at me, thank you God that I had one day that I did one thing right. And I walked up to Gavin, I said, dude, you don't have to apologize for anything. You say what you want, you're your own person, I'm a pastor, I used to say stuff like that, I just choose not to anymore. Wow. He goes, you didn't judge me? I go, 
listen, I didn't judge you because you don't know me. And if you knew about me, you wouldn't be worried about your stuff. We let this fear of stuff, and, 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 and we can't unplug. So who's in heaven? The people have been made perfect. My grandpa had colon cancer and had to have a colostomy. He doesn't have it anymore. He had, to have, he had to have cheaters when he read his Bible. He doesn't have to have them anymore. He doesn't have diabetes anymore. He's, however, however their bodies are, he's perfect. The people that in your family have gone on before you are worshiping God in a perfected body. No more fear. One day this all goes away. Look at verse 24. This is what you have to do. We have, if you're a follower, you've come to Jesus. The one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. That's a story from Genesis. Abel was killed by Cain. Abel takes his first, the the best of of his stuff and he brings it and he sacrifices it and God says, I accept your offering. Cain just did whatever he wanted and God rejected his offering. So Cain got mad, he killed Abel. But even if those sacrifices were accepted, it only kept the wrath of God off for a short time. Jesus has, has sprinkled his blood all over the cross. By the way, sprinkled, I think, is a very tame word for what he did. He gave his life on the cross that if we choose to believe in him, last eternity. Mount Zion is not a mountain that God doesn't tell us not to touch. Mount Zion is a place where God says, please do. It was Jesus that told Thomas after he resurrected from the dead. He said, it's not you. He said, I'll not believe it until I put my hands in the holes of his hands. And Jesus came to him as Mount Zion and said, there you go. God wants to do so much. We let our fear get in our way. God said, in Malachi, God says, about tithing, he says, test me. I want to have a relationship with you. Test me on tithing. Test me on giving. But we let our fear get in the way. What are you scared of? When it gets all right down to it. We could write down some stuff spiritually that we're scared of. That we're not just scared of. We're terrified of. For seven years I was terrified about just accepting, just accepting that God had called me to be a pastor. Just accepting that thought. No offense if you're visiting with us today. I didn't want to be a pastor because if you're a pastor, you have to be involved with people that are in church. I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid and a grandson of a, of a preacher. I've heard a lot of different stuff, okay? I was scared. You know what? Every time I get up here, you know, you know what happens? I'm scared. Not in a fearful way, in a reverent way, that I want to I give God's word its full justice. God's word today says this. It's not about doing the checklist stuff. It's about the relationship that you have with your son. And some of you who have that relationship need to walk through this next week. And when that stuff comes up, you need to sing a little louder. In the presence of my enemy, sing a little louder. Louder than your unbelief. A little louder. Listen to this. You sing a little louder. You get somebody beside you. You know why you sing a little bit louder? Because heaven comes and fights for you. You have no idea what fights for you if you're a follower of Christ. You have no clue. The supernatural world is very real. But we let our fear get in our way and just swallows us up. I said, no, uh, nobody's coming to fight for me. Nobody's coming to fight for me. They're already fighting for you. You just can't see them. <laughs> but we let our fear get in our way. Listen, maybe, maybe this morning you don't know uh, if you have a relationship with Christ or not, or maybe you've never heard the name Jesus or what he did for you. And quite frankly, I prayed for you all week that you would be here, that you would hear a message that God loves you so much that he gave Jesus to die for you. And we don't have a formal altar call at Connection, but I make myself available after church that we can, we can sit and talk. I can I'll be glad to talk with you about questions that you have or if you, if you, want, if you want to ask Jesus to, to come into your life and um, other things like that. But we need to go through this week and we need to understand that our mountain of fear 
By the way, Mount Sinai and Mount Sinai, which is where Moses got the Ten Commandments. John 1 1 speaks about the person that spoke that mountain into existence. He spoke it into existence to fulfill the law so that we could have a relationship with God. And one day, we'll be surrounded by everybody. The very last blank is Jesus is greater than your fear. He is. Some, some of you need to shout this this week through, through your life. Does anybody have the touch someone's life gift? Monies. Thank you, sir. Okay. We have, it fell on the floor. Oh, we have two bags. There's 63.27 per bag. Does anybody know of somebody that, that could use this? You can bless somebody this week. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Come on. We'll pray over these bags. We'll pray for you this week. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for, for worshiping with us. Thank you for uh, encountering God with us this morning. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so thankful for what you do with us and for us and through us. God, we pray for those bags of money, God, from the first and the second service, that they go out. God, they impact people at the exact right time that you would ordain spiritually and, and divinely that those people would come in contact with those people to help them and to show them who you are. God, I pray for people that are going to be traveling today. I pray for people that are, are going to be going through this week and they have a lot of fear. God, I pray that you just pour yourself out to them. God, they would pour themselves into your word, that you, would, that you would show up and show how real you are. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that we get to worship you. We're so thankful for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.